Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we are exploring the journey of Emily Telford, a biology science teacher at University High School, which is a lab school affiliated with Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois. She also serves as an assistant instructional professor at Illinois State. On the previous two episodes in this podcast feed, we met Emily and learned about how she became interested in the sciences, as well as how a grad school assignment about gamification impacted her teaching and assessment practices, particularly with standards-based grading. Today, we round out Emily's narrative as it stands now with a conversation about her teaching in the past year or so during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very anxious at the beginning, um, especially because we were in the blended format. So I had half the students in person and then the other half were supposed to be doing something outside of class and then they would switch. So. Yeah, the new class on top of a weird teaching format, but I think I did a pretty good job. So <laughs> they asked me to teach it again this That's good. Semester. Yeah. And, and do you? I'm assuming you have to do the same format this semester coming up. No, because there are only eight students this time, so I can have all of them safely mm. in the classroom. <laughs> Um, so I can teach for That's full good. As we continued discussing what it had been like for the past year or so of teaching during the ongoing pandemic, Emily shared ways she had modified her instruction to meet the needs of her students with consideration for the constraints they faced with virtual learning, social distancing in the classroom, and hybrid attendance. She also shared how showing herself grace in the face of feeling guilty that she wasn't doing enough for her students as their teacher had been so valuable for her and her colleagues. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. So again, I, I kind of peeked at your Twitter because that was kind of the main window where you and I have stayed somewhat connected since our course together and where I see kind of a window into the work you're doing. You're always at, out putting like things out there under different hashtags in your personal learning network to try and um, solve problems or practice or find resources for your students or for your own teaching. Um, where does that come from, that element of your teaching, that resourcefulness? Is that something that you picked up as part of your master's program or have you kind of always been naturally resourceful in that regard? So the, the Twitter PLN definitely was a product of my master's program, definitely, um, going through the ed tech courses at ISU. Um, I, before okay. that, I was in a few different groups on Facebook, which are also excellent. Um, but mm -hmm. as far as like asking for help to teachers I don't know with a hashtag, that definitely came from um, my master's courses. Okay, cool. And um, like, what are some of the things you're working on? Like, We talked about the different STEM uh, groups you're involved in in the community. What are some other things you kind of have earmarked for the upcoming years, things you want to pursue or improve in your practices or your students' experiences, things you want to promote? Um, like what are some of your goals moving forward this year on top? So I usually teach freshman biology and this year um, I'm teaching anatomy and physiology. And before I took it over, it was very content heavy, um, very surface level. So I've been focusing more on um, how to bring the real world experiences into that course. Um, 
after this pandemic is over, hopefully I would like to actually go to different places in the community and take my students. For example, there is a, um, a nursing home just up the street from U High, and I know they have a wonderful program to um, for their their employees where they will actually pay for their nursing degrees if they work there. So I want to take them there and see that so they can see like, um, like geriatrics is a really excellent field of, of um, medicine that they might not typically think of um, working in because they, they watch shows like Grey's Anatomy and they want to work in a hospital and and how like working in medicine really isn't like that. Um, so just exposing them to different fields of, of medicine that they might not have thought of. There's also a a training facility at Broman, Carl Broman here in town. Um, so mm-hmm. take it there. So including more like community experiences in that class. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, showing them that or having like real world experiences in the classroom too, where they kind of put their shoes in, put themselves in the, in the shoes of a, a health professional um, with like labs and whatnot that we, that we can do. Obviously it's been hard to do online this year. So I'm going to work on that for next year. Well, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to ask you about is kind of, that's been a struggle for me because I've, you mentioned constructivism earlier in the conversation. That's what the foundational like philosophy of my, uh, my undergrad elementary science methods courses is constructivism. We really dig into that deep and the way that informs how we design instruction. And so I'm saying that on one end of my mouth, but at the other end of my mouth, we can't get close together and do hands-on science in the same way. It's been a lot of like virtual labs and modifying activities and things. So like, how has that experience been for you teaching science during a pandemic, especially, you know, at the high school level where you have, you know, like the equipment and you have all those resources in the community you're talking about, you have eager students that you get to do all the like dissections and things that we might not necessarily always do at the elementary level. Cause it, my experience, it was always math and reading, math and reading. So like, what's that been like for you this since it would have probably been since March. It's mm-hmm. almost been a year now. What's that been like? What, and how do you confront that? Yeah. Inquiry online is, is tough <laughs> um, because engagement yeah. is so important. And especially when we use the, the five E models, the very like set path of, of activities that they do uh, virtual labs yeah. have been a huge help. And then we have issues with a lot of them running on Java. Um, but other than that, they, those have been amazing. So I've, I've through like the PLNs that I'm part of, um, I found different virtual labs that, that they are using. I've been using them as well. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been tough. And also too, when we go back to the blended learning, just how that that's set up. Um, so I'll have like half my students in class and then half my students at home. So I don't know if that, that, I just didn't think that was fair for half my students to do a lab and the other half the students just to, yeah. to watch, right? So I've been um, having students at home do something independent while the students in person are doing a lab and then we'll flip. So because of that, I can't really follow like the typical 5E model. So some students will do like the exploration and then we'll go into like the explanation. And then other times students will have to like do a puggle or something at home. And then when they, they're in person, then we'll do a lab. 
So it hasn't really followed the typical format that I use. Um, now that we're, we're back online again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been rough, but we're making it work. Well, when you say you're back online again, do you mean that there's no in-person right now at UHI? So we started the school year online and then we went to blended learning for four weeks. And then now we're back online again, hmm. at least until the 19th of January. After that, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, in Georgia, so at least in our local district, our community is like, I don't know. A hundred and some thousand people. It's a pretty big community. And they started online only and then they phased in. I think the high school kids went back to face to face later than elementary. And I think that the parents had an option. You can always declare which option you want, whether at home or in person. They're making them declare now at the start of the new year because we've had so many students flip flopping. Uh, at least in my wife's school, they have to declare and they have to stick with whatever they declare for the rest of the year now, but schools are still very much open. Yeah. So that's been like week to week taking attendance. She doesn't know who the hell is going to be there. And it's been really challenging because she sees the entire school. Uh, So I can definitely like empathize with that. Whereas like my students, it's, I have 17 of them. We had 12 course meetings before their field work and like, my management of that was a lot easier than hers. So I empathize with what y'all are going through. Going back to the, um, that blended model while you were able to do it, what was an example of like, again, a unit that you were teaching and how you modified that 5e model and what that looked like in context? Trying to remember. So at that time, I think we were doing macromolecules, which is already like not Mm -hmm. exciting, right? At least in freshman biology. Um, So usually I would have them do the engage at home. Um, mm-hmm. just because it's something that they can do independently, like watch a YouTube video, answer questions or ask questions about it. And then when we were in person, we'd go over their list of questions, um, or I might have them like discuss online through um, Google classroom, just like ask questions and have people post on each other's, um, questions. And then in person, that's when we did labs, or any, like I do like a quick formative check to see if there was anything I needed to reinforce when they were at home. And then I would assign something for them to do. So luckily I have students that are are pretty motivated and and they do that outside work. Um, But it it was definitely a struggle for for students that need more support um, from the teachers. And when you have to switch back to the all virtual model now, where are you getting your like virtual labs from? Is it something that the school's funded so you can get like high quality stuff or are you really having to dig into that PLN and find high quality stuff or like that's been a struggle for us with like, I'm trying to have them do science and then talk about how to foster the doing of science in a, a constructivist model with their students. But like the problem I know I'm going to run to is that we're phasing the flash player out of our web browsers after the new year. And like, I went back and looked like all the cool stuff I did was all flash based. So like, how are you resolving that? Cause that's, that's like, that's what you do. You're doing science and you're having to do it in a virtual way, but do it in a way that's, you know, of a high efficacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was one program that my school did purchase called EduMedia. 
Um, but that's more of like students just watch things happen. I was looking more for applets where they actually manipulate a variable and then record data. And you're absolutely right. Most of that is yes. cash. So um, I have found some other sources through um, different PLNs, um, mostly from Facebook. There's a great NGSS biology Facebook group. Um, it's a little bit more responsive than, than Twitter. <laughs> and there's a whole like Google. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. Um, so there are just a, a few different applets that I found through that. Um, but of course, you know, you can't find something for everything. Like we just did, we finished up photosynthesis. There's really not like a lot of, of online labs um, for photosynthesis that aren't, um, Adobe flash. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. but I have had to resort to recording myself doing labs, which is awful. Um, but yeah. how else are they going to see it, right? So I know. Uh, that, yeah, it, it, like it, that's like, and you probably have like at least. Again, I, I, I live vicariously through my wife right now because she's still in, in, a, in an elementary classroom. She comes home feeling guilty. Like, I wish I was doing more for these kids than I am. And like, at least over Zoom, because she's a music teacher, they can still sing. Like, maybe there's a delay in the video. And so timing with music can be tricky, but like they can still sing and talk and stuff. But like doing science, they don't have that stuff at home. And... I was so excited to talk to you today because I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one going absolutely crazy with this stuff right now. Yeah, that's a good word, guilt. I Yeah, I, I definitely feel a little bit of guilt too, but I think it's also important to keep in mind that, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so back, best practices aren't always feasible right now. You know, you do, you do the best with the resources that you have. Um, and yeah. just hope that you're you're doing right by your students, um, and, and they understand too. They've I think the, the best practice now is showing. Yeah, they they understand. I think a best practice now is showing ourselves grace and understanding we're doing what we can within the con constraints that we're facing. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. Yep. And we like had a, a really how, good. Have you? Sorry, I was going to say. Sorry, go a, ahead. Go ahead. There's a little bit of a lag. Um, uh, there is, yeah, yeah. A teacher meeting the other day when we were talking about whether or not to go back to normal classes when we're back in person or blended learning. And everyone was having discussion about how blended learning doesn't really work for their curriculum. And then finally, one of the teachers was like, you know, we can't we can't be trying to have like the same sort of drive or best practices this year because it's just, it's not going to happen. We have to like take a step back and look at the constraints that we're given and see what's going to be best for our students. We can't be perfect teachers this year and we just have to just do the best that we can. Yeah. How do you frame that for the um, the course you're teaching at Illinois State when you talk to them? Like, I'm assuming some of them um, are like wondering how they're going to go about this. And obviously, even post vaccine, I still think some things aren't going to look the way they did pre COVID. Like, what are those conversations looking and sounding like? Because it sounds like you have a good mindset about it and you have supportive colleagues that are kind of in it together with you. How do you relate that to your students at Illinois State that are like working to become teachers themselves? Yeah, no more snow days, right? <laughs> we figured it out. 
I said goodbye to those when I knew I was moving to Georgia. Although, like, if you right. get like a quarter inch here, they don't have plows and they do shut down. But um, yeah, no more snow days. But but beyond that, yeah, they've been very inquisitive about what online learning looks like. And I had that that course um, Thursday night, so it was like that was my long day it was towards the end of the week. So I just like. I think I tried to hold it together, but I was, I was always walking there like exhausted and then like I would vent to them a little bit. And I think they appreciated that because they could really see like into like, the window into online learning and how, how tough it is. Um, but we actually, honestly, like the, the big thing they wanted to know about is how to engage students on Zoom because they would talk to me about how when they go to class on, on Zoom, they would just turn their cameras off or, you know, they would just be laying down on their bed and looking at their phone and not really paying attention. So they would have a lot of questions about how I engage students on Zoom, which if you have any good tips, let me know because I'm still looking for them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been tough. Um, I know like some students or some teachers require cameras to be on and um um, the camera to be facing them so they can see, you know, from the shoulders up, but I think there's a lot of like equity issues with that. So I, I don't always hear yes. that from, from students. Um, so there's little ways around that. So we have discussions about how to use like technology to promote engagement without like yeah. cameras being on. Um, they have a lot of questions about how, like I set up units, how I, how, how I do like the 5e model with the online format. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's brought up a lot of good discussions about, about pedagogy online. That's good. Since Emily and I spoke around Christmas time, we have exchanged direct messages over Twitter, sharing resources with each other as fellow science educators, having educators like Emily Telford in my personal learning network or PLN is so important, especially during times like these to borrow a turn of phrase from the Foo Fighters. Not only can I lean on Emily and other educators like her for resources, like Pogo templates, for example. Our conversation also helped me not feel so isolated in the challenges of trying to teach in authentic, meaningful ways during this pandemic. Emily shared so many great examples of being flexible while still maintaining high standards for her own teaching, as well as her students' learning, adjusting the 5e instructional model, utilizing virtual labs, and finding resources through her PLN as needed. I'm fortunate to have crossed paths with Emily during my graduate studies at Illinois State, and my confidence in our education system is strengthened, knowing teachers like her are out there impacting our students on a day-to-day and year-to-year basis. I want to thank Mrs. Emily Telford for sharing her stories of teaching on this podcast. You can follow Emily on Twitter, at msandy, that's at E-M-S-A-N-D-Y. Next week, we will explore the narrative of Dr. Donna Jagielski, the director of STEAM Makerspace programs with the Boys and Girls Club of America of Greater Scottsdale in Scottsdale, Arizona. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening. 